loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, this is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today I'm welcoming Gregor Collins. Gregor is an author, speaker, and contributor living in Washington, D.C. Starting his career in Los Angeles, producing reality TV, he eventually shifted gears to acting, performing on stage, on television, and in independent feature films. His writing and acting have been featured in the Los Angeles Times, The Guardian, Huffington Post, Publishers Weekly, Cinema Editor Magazine, and many others, as well as on off and off-off Broadway stages across New York. Gregor travels the world as a keynote speaker for his book, The Accidental Caregiver, which we'll talk about today, and its recently released sequel, which we'll also talk about, and they chronicle his real-life experience caring for Holocaust refugee Maria Altman in the last three years of her life. Welcome, Gregor. Thank you. It's great to be here, Cheryl. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, Maria Altman. I guess I'll start by saying that. <laughs> what a delightful creature. She was. You know, in many ways, she, she was kind of like a character out of a novel. And I, one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book was because I wanted to show people that, like, a woman like this actually existed, and um, she wasn't just a character out of a novel. <laughs> it's interesting to me, too, because, of course, every week I talk to people who've had often very devastating losses. And, of course, Maria, as we'll talk about even more as we go along, uh, had to flee Vienna, because of the um, Nazi occupation. She lost many family members. She lost her homeland. You know, uh, she, they, they stole many, many things from her. Um, and like my guess, sometimes that leads to a kind of freedom and joy in living, like you face the work, the worst. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you think that her, her kind of intense um connection to living relates at all to her early experiences or not but um that sort of stood out to me yeah you know i, I there's that expression uh, joie de vie um a love of life and a lust for life kind of and she always had that and um even during the darkest times um she would always uh, kind of see the light and everything and she has, you know, when we would talk about her past and some of the darker times, she would always find something beautiful about something. And, you know, she think she would think of her childhood in Vienna as a beautiful time, which it was before Hitler. Um, but she never had a bad or ill word about anybody. You know, she just sort of, um, you know, even the Gestapo that came to her parents' house and stole everything, um, she... She would, didn't have anything bitter in her. She just wanted to enjoy life and, and talk about what was going on in my day, maybe some dates that I went on or some acting auditions. Like she, she was like 
wants to know everything about my life. So, what a blessing for yeah, someone she was, that interested yeah. in your life. Yes, totally, totally. But I think we have to start sort of at the beginning of your story with her, um, which is an unusual one in the sense that I would say very few people become caregivers with absolutely no experience and no desire to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was totally. that, that, that's really what it was. And my, I was acting in LA and my friend had answered an ad on Craigslist and, um, for a caregiver for this 92 year old lady. And he ended up getting the job and moving into her house. And I'm, you know, I'm an actor, I'm going on auditions and I came to Hollywood to, you know, be a part of the entertainment world and definitely caregiving was not in any way a part of that. Um, and Tom gives me a call one day and says, I'm taking care of this lady. And I, you know, you're the only friend that I can trust. Um, we need a caregiver um, and you'd be great. And I was sort of offended at first. And <laughs> I, I, I definitely, you know, I, I, I was like, look, I don't have any experience. I know nothing about medicine. I'm frightened to death of hospitals. I just would not be the right guy for this. And I tried not to, to mention the death thing. They were looking for someone to help her in the last stage of her life. Right. Yes. Were you I aware mean, of that? Well, I, I was, well, she was still, uh, you know, she was still, you know, when I first met her, I was with her for three years. Um, she was still walking around and, and, and very with it. Um, so she wasn't on her deathbed, but, you know, she was 92 and, and she had just finished that um, lengthy legal campaign to get her uncle's paintings back from the Nazis. And so she was, she was being an old lady and just sitting at home. And um, so it, it was all very strange and unappealing to me, but I, I really felt a sort of a guilt in, in not at least meeting her. So, so I told mm -hmm. Tom, I'll come into the house and I'll meet her, but I just can't make any guarantees. It, I was thinking about my, my daughter's graduation. She um, graduated from the USC theater program. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the graduation, one of her classmates said, I'm so excited to be graduating from, from the theater program. Now I'm fully qualified to be a waiter. <laughs> And now I think we yeah. have to add caregiver. Yeah, <laughs> caregiver. Well, well, it's funny. I would tell when I go around and talk about the book to audiences, I, I, I said, I would say, I don't know if any of you here know this, but when you become an actor, you get a job in the food industry. <laughs> so uh, it, it's almost, I meant it as a joke, but it's actually very truthful. Like, very true. Every, and so nice. both of those careers are currently uh, quite challenged. Oh, yeah. Oh. Both acting and food in this Absolutely. time of COVID are oh. really, really, really challenged. Absolutely, um, yeah. That, that's not fair. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Yeah. And, and so when you met her, did you instantly know, I'm going to do this thing, even though I have no experience or no desire or... Did you meet her and go, well, let's give it a shot? Or what was that like? It, it was it was almost, I mean, I don't want to say instant, but it was, boy, it, 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 it was totally there right away. As she walked into the room, um, there was something about the energy and something about where she, she, she looked at me as if she knew me and as if she, we had already met. There was, was a familiarity there. And... I had 
I had not had much experience with older people. I mean, my grandparents, I didn't really know. And so I didn't really know. It was, it was very new for me. And I, I, I was like, do I be myself? Do I, do I, do I have to speak loudly? Like what, what, but I just, I was, I was totally myself and she was totally herself. And it's as if we were in the room alone together because, you know, she had her son there and Tom there. And I just was so fascinated with her. It was, it was like I was, um, you know, we were old friends at, at a coffee shop and, and she, she was so interested in my life. And I found that so um, refreshing because I'm living this very, um, this life as, as an actor is just, you, you, you're on edge all the time and you're, you don't give yourself time to relax and you just have to keep getting out there and you got to make it so much. Lots of failure. Pressure. It's lots of failure and it's so much pressure <laughs> on yourself. And I could finally like, when I was in Maria's presence, I could just, I had no pressure on me to be anything. I didn't have to do anything. I could just be with her in the moment, you know? I would say that's, that's probably equally a blessing for her because I've noticed uh, as I've gotten into a, a, a period of life where I'm recognizably old, I'm not that old, I'm 67, but that's mm -hmm. recognizably older anyway, mm -hmm. uh, people don't relate to you the same. Mm. And um, so I imagine she must have found it refreshing that you were so curious about her as a new person. Of course, your, you know, grandchildren, etc., probably mm -hmm. were interested in her, but to have a completely a, a stranger, right, be that fascinated with her and her life, I imagine she must have appreciated that a great deal too. She did, and and she had such a um, such a almost like a naughty spark in her too. I mean, she was the most elegant woman I've ever met. But at the same time, she had a really irreverent wit, and she would just occasionally throw out a, just a joke that just, um, you know, had you in tears. And it, it was, it, she just had almost like a sort of a Winston Churchill kind of a, kind of a humor. And um, she also, she just, I mean, I was 32 at the time, and she was 92, but it, it's as if we were both in our 20s. The other thing that stands out about her to me, and, uh, I, you know, I've seen um, Woman in Gold, the, the movie about her, um, loosely based on her fighting to get her uncle's paintings back and, you know, all of this. But, and, and the, the quality in the, that film that most stood out about her was, was tenacity. Mm. Um, you know, not taking no for an answer. Mm -hmm. uh, she could have given up so many times. And um, the way you describe that process, that part of her matches, that mm -hmm. tenacious energy seems to match. But there was so much more to her, you know, also like kind of light and humorous, as you're mm -hmm. saying, and, and kind of sharp-witted and... Um, those were things that didn't come through particularly in in the film, for sure, that I found um, really delightful and, and a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely, she had that tenacious side when she was taking on the Austrian government. Um, but the, really, the Maria I knew was 
just sitting on her bed in the morning and her opening up her eyes for the first time and just like this, just this, in this childlike innocence of her just, her face just lighting up and asking me, oh, how was your night and I missed you. And it, it was just, you know, and looking out her bedroom door and the, 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 um, the window and seeing the hummingbirds uh, drink from the hummingbird feeder. And it really like, it really opened me up to, uh, to life in a way that, you know, that, that I had never really, I'd never really looked at, you know, what was in front of me. I sort of was just living in the, the past and the, in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she just rooted me right in the present. Going back to her family experience for a minute though, of course those paintings were just the tip of the iceberg on what was taken from them when they when they left and i wondered was there att- were there attempts has anyone made attempts to get back other things like i don't know jewelry and uh, furniture you know things that probably were very valuable um they were uh, a pretty well to do family right um they have i i think they've got back a lot of the stuff um Obviously, the the major things were the Klimps, um, but her, you know, her uncle Ferdinand owned a porcelain collection that would, you know, that would have rivaled any museum in the world, and he owned sculptures and 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 all kinds of artworks. Um, I I don't know what happened to everything. I know that she was able to um, actually hide some some 17th and 18th century watches and scent bottles. She had a little collection of them and she was able to hide them in her brassiere um, when they first were under house arrest and then they sort of snuck out to go to a quote unquote dentist appointment. Um, so she was able to take out a few things, but um, yeah, there's still so many things that, you know, for example, the, in the gold portrait in Klimt's gold portrait, her aunt Adele, Adele, I would always say Aunt Adele, and she would say, it's Adele, Gregor, it's Adele. <laughs> um, but her Aunt Adele, if you look in, in the gold portrait, she has a, a, a really beautiful diamond necklace on. And supposedly uh, Hermann Goering's wife, who is very much into jewelry, still has that. I mean, that, that was taken, and Maria you know, stood to inherit that uh, for her wedding. Um, but, but um, yeah, that's probably... Who knows where that is today, but yeah, everything's everywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, that that happens when people have to flee from anywhere. Uh, it's just that the things that her family had are of note to others. Mm-hmm. But of course, anytime someone flees from their country, they leave so much behind, objects and people and land and, uh, you know, it's right. it's quite a dramatic loss in my mind and then um they had to it seemed as if her family had to pick up the pieces several times along the way um, yeah definitely to, to kind of build a another a new life yes absolutely yeah and her uncle ferdinand was such a such a sad story you know not many times maria would get down on things but whenever she would talk about her her uncle ferdinand's downfall you know, th- this was a man who, you know, would commission Klimt to paint Adele, uh, to paint pictures of his wife. And um, he was a sugar industrialist and, and very wealthy man. And then um, the Nazis come and he flees 
to, uh, he fled to Prague and then eventually to Switzerland. And he eventually died penniless in 1945. Um, and he, you know, he lost everything he had ever worked for. And um, it, it's just a really tragic end. And she, um, gosh, she, she, she would, you know, that was the only times where I, I saw her struggling to be optimistic about what happened to Uncle Ferdinand. But yeah, I mean, so many stories. So many stories. I, when I was young, I was about 19 or 20, and I was in a writing group, and the oldest person was in her 70s, mid-70s. And she was not Jewish, but she had married a Jewish man, and they had lived in Germany. And um, she was uh, very scared about what was going on, and all her Jewish friends were saying, oh, it's better than it's ever been, don't worry, this and that. Finally, they realized... It wasn't, so it wasn't. Yeah. And the first thing that happened is that the kind of life of the party, I was thinking of this because this woman's energy, the way my friend used to describe her energy, uh, reminded me of Maria, kind of the, the person who lit up the room. Um, mm. When all that happened, she threw herself out a window mm. uh, in Germany. And then wow. uh, my friend's husband um, said, you have to divorce me and you have to get out of here. Wow. Um, there, are, there are just obviously millions of stories like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the people that mm -hmm. didn't survive, but also the people that did. Right. And just such, such um, incredible uh, imprints on, on people's lives. Mm, and, then, absolutely. and then people like Maria and her family, who really did make a, a very beautiful life despite mm -hmm. that. It's, it's inspiring to me. Yep. They they got um, they were lucky and Fritz was in a in a camp. Her husband was taken to a camp um, before Crystal Night, and so um, he was six weeks in Dachau concentration camp and and ended up getting out um, because Maria's brother-in-law, Fritz's brother, um, owned a very successful cashmere uh, factory in Vienna, and she made a deal with the Nazis to assign his business over to them um, in exchange for freeing Fritz. And so, and so Bernhard Altman, uh, Fritz's brother, lost everything temporarily everything. that he had worked for. But then he ended up actually opening up years later um, a factory in Texas. And then eventually one in every three cashmere sweaters made in America came from his Texas mill. So he, he oh. rebuilt himself. <laughs> um, Let's eventually. come back to that after the break. Because <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's uh, an unlikely and uh, uh, worthwhile story. Right. The way yeah. that they then helped each other craft a life. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the break, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, etc. Sign up for my email list. Look for a link to buy my novel, An Ocean Between Them. And uh, there's a, a really great therapy business that I am sponsoring called BetterHelp. You can, uh, there's a link there, but you can also go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief to find out more about that. And to fight, find Gregor Collins, you can go to gregorcollins.com, G-R-E-G-O-R-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. Be back soon.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Gregor Collins about his book, The Accidental Caregiver. And before the break, we were, we were kind of going into uh, this story of uh, what a clever thing to do. I mean, <laughs> for, her, for Maria to have somehow managed to convince um, people I consider very unconvincible <laughs> you know, that's yeah. the that's the general impression I get. Um, right. To to make that trade, uh, yeah. of course, they could have just taken the business. They could have, yeah. And I was again, that was at a time when they weren't fully um, just destroying people's lives, and there was some kind of level of civility. This was around, I guess, would have been around June or July of 1938. Um, but yes, and Maria also. When they escaped house arrest, she she had gone out a few mornings before they planned on escaping, and she just wanted to make sure they weren't being followed. So she was allowed during, out during the day and would go to the market and make sure they weren't being followed. And then finally, they they she didn't think that she was being followed, so so they escaped. And she would she told the parole officer, "Look, we have a dentist appointment. My husband Fritz here. He can't speak. He's in pain, and we need to go to the dentist." Um, and so surely she was very trustworthy and charming as, as she was. And, and um, the parole officer saw, saw no harm in letting them go to the dentist. And then they left and never returned. So mm-hmm. she, um, all through the, these horrific and tense thing, events, she um, carried herself with the same just elegance and joie de vie that I, I, she was truly, even her kids didn't take her for granted. I mean, they looked at her as, as I looked at her, just this brilliant, beautiful woman 
and creative, right? Creative. She kept coming up with creative solutions. Totally. Uh, I'm thinking of the moment in the in in the story where she, uh, your her uh, brother-in-law, wants to sell cashmere and argyle and just sends her one sample and she goes into mm. a mar in a into a department store and they want to buy as many as she wants to sell them you know yeah, that's that's just not a common kind of story it's not you know and that that's a, a story that people don't know that the introduction of cashmere into america happened in the 40s through maria and through bernhard i mean bernhard sent her um cashmere with a note saying look you know in, you know, in Europe, these things, people know about these things, but no one knows about them in America and just see what you can do with these out in California. So she goes to a store called Kerr's Department Store in Beverly Hills. And um, she, you know, about an hour later, the, the buyer is asking for as many as she has. So, so that's in 1947. That's when the cashmere boom began in California. And then eventually, like I was saying, you know, he opened a factory in Texas and became Bernhard Altman cashmere sweaters. You know, there's so many things that landed here because of people fleeing um, from that war. Uh, mm. Of course, in my field, it's um, people like Adler and um, Frankel and, you know, mm. um, people that fled and then um, became healers of psychology. Mm. Yeah, I just which, reread. I reread. Uh, I just reread. Um, mean uh, the life of meaning. Um, uh, um, a a man search for meaning. Man, man search for meaning. Yes. yes. I, I, I just which, reread that. Yeah. Which which is of course, kind of at the heart of this particular show. I do that. Sometimes we have terrible experiences, and they lead to something quite unexpected. Mm. Mm -hmm. and beautiful although painful you can't take the pain away from it but right right um so many so many things that are just woven into our world um, yeah and I, I think if they were good if they were good experiences if they were good enriching positive experiences then they end up becoming a, a beautiful thing and it's it's the whole like there's an old chinese proverb that that it says it's better to light a candle than curse the darkness Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you, I, I think you can really turn, turn darkness and pain into something beautiful eventually, or, or else then what's, what's the point of living, you know? Well, it's, for me, it would be a, a depressing way to live. I, right. I like to know that even when hard times come, there's something that can come from it if I make it. Right. You know, it doesn't right. happen automatically. But right, exactly. <laughs> if I do that the would work. Be nice. Yeah. I, I'm to, thinking of that, of course, a lot right now with um, this time where, at least where I am, uh, we're all in our houses unless we have to be, mm -hmm. uh, unless we're essential workers. Most of mm -hmm. the people I know are sheltering in place right now mm -hmm. and see no end of it anytime soon. Right. So that's yeah. a, that's a, uh, a quite a, a profound experience for many people. I've I've mm. been stuck in my house with a sick person before, so mm. <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not completely unfamiliar to me, but to many right. people it is. So right. what what will come out of it? We don't know, do we? No, we don't. Um. So let's talk some, Gregor, about the changes 
that came about in in you and you may not be able to tell me exactly but reading your books i i certainly have the strong impression that maria changed your life not just in the fact that you wrote these books and you and you speak about her and the world you know not just in that way but something more internal more uh kind of view of life sort of ways mm. do you have any sense of that absolutely i i as i was starting to write the first one i thought to myself i i'm i'm only i'm doing this really for two reasons that if i reached the end of my life i would regret not having written this and then um and then again i wanted to just at that time it was more i wanted to just sh introduce maria the real maria to the world but then eventually so it was always about maria oh i want to write about maria she's so amazing but then it it became that i was really writing about my me and my search for love and my i was my true self with maria so it was really like these books are really just a f my own fight to just be my be who i really am and cuz i was i was who i was meant to be when i was with maria i was fully myself and 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 living my potential as a as a human being and and as a truth seeker and a love seeker and i just um so i feel like these books and when i get opportunities to talk about it it's really just talking about my own evolution as 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 a person it's um, interesting to me because um though that decade before my my first wife died um somewhere along the line there uh i i had been loved before but during that period i realized that i truly was lovable mm. in a way i hadn't quite realized before that mm. uh i haven't thought of it in a long time it was so vivid to me at the time that shift in me you know mm. yeah. um but i i hear that a little in what you're saying that her loving you as you are mm. meant you were lovable as you are <laughs> yeah totally and 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 that um that is that reminds me also like when you're in acting class the teacher will say um gregor you're you're enough you don't have to try to be acting like if ever you were overacting it's like gregor you you're just you're enough you don't have to try to do anything just get up there and just be yourself and that's the best acting you know and and i i just feel like yeah she really gave me uh permission to be myself and that that um it's it's like i mean i could do no wrong in her eyes you know um and she could do no wrong in my eyes and and it was just a perfect 3 years it was like how many times can you point in your life to a relationship or or just anything um that takes place over time that began and ended perfectly and i felt like those 3 years began and ended perfectly and i didn't even need more time with her because we we did it we did it all it just would have been more of what you already had exactly <laughs> and exactly i mean i that simply put that's exactly right you know? <laughs> <laughs> I I relate to that a lot. In fact, I said that out loud to my first wife. She was bemoaning our our loss of each other. Of course, that was mighty. And yeah. I said, "We've we've had everything. You did it all." And so so and if so, there if there was more time, we would do that more. <laughs> There's right. nothing that would be different. I get it. I I feel the same, but yeah. 
let's not lose lose track of the fact that we've had it all. That Absolutely. is also true. Yeah. It comforted us a great deal at the time, even mm. given knowing that she would not survive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, um, and I, I do, I mean, the older and wiser I get, the, the more I just, I'm convinced everything is completely planned out. And, and I was, just as you, your time with your first wife was just perfectly designed and designed exactly how it was supposed to be designed and the duration and everything. And, and I feel like my time with Maria, everything about it was just perfectly designed by something uh, greater than ourselves. You know? um, that, that leads to me to... Um something I observed reading, which is you have a great faith in serendipity, uh, mm. which may be the same thing you're talking about, like um, going, going to a, a town you've never been to with nowhere to stay and just sort of feeling as if it'll all work out. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Maria had that. Well, because Maria had that attitude and, and that's why I think she, she went so far and lived probably one of the fullest lives I've ever of anyone I've ever known and she um she believed she would always say to me Gregor everything will be okay and um and everything no matter what it was she just said everything's going to be okay um and she believed it and so I believed it and so I really adopted more of that attitude from her that's what I wanted to know if that was something you already had I mean obviously you'd taken risks before sure, anybody sure. who chooses an acting career or moves across country or you right, know right. Yeah, <laughs> you'd taken no, risks but but did did she kind of cultivate your faith in your risks a little no more? no I, I think I no I had that already I mean I think you're either born somebody I, I just think you're born either somebody that's going to take risks or you're not. I, I feel like that's almost like you're born with it. So I think I was born with, with wanting to take risks and, and being relatively comfortable with the unknown. But, but she truly sort of, uh, yeah, she cultivated it and she, she made it um, even tru truer, you know? I would have to say that the, the, in all the experiences you recounted in both of your books, um, the the only one that went terribly wrong, you actually weren't doing anything risky. You were walking down the street um, <laughs> <laughs> when you yeah. got attacked, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a kind of ironic um, truth in that, I guess. Interesting, yeah. Uh, you know, because that was, you were not often, I don't know, Budapest, you know, <laughs> trying to... <Right. laughs> Get yeah. by with, you know, find a couch to sleep on. You right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that, that is a very interesting uh, observation. Yeah, I, I, I was just, yeah, and this was a couple years ago. I just got jumped in New York by three people. And anyway, I, I um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I It's funny. Um, it's always, I, I think the only way to, so, we're faced in our life, when we look back on our lives, we think of all the things and, and we often say to ourselves, like, I can't believe it. How did I have the strength to do that? How did I even, um, how was I able to do that and get to that point and, and drive across country or whatever it is? But I think um, the way to be able to look back in your life and be satisfied with those things is, is just to to really appreciate, I mean, I know it's just said so often, it's just to really just 
appreciate the moment and what's in front of you. And I, I, I think the more you're, you're a, truly appreciating and loving yourself and your life and, your, and the moments that you're living, um, then you'll be able to look back on those. Um, and and you, won't, you won't even think about taking risks because you're being your true self. And then risks are easy when you're being your true self and you're loving every moment. And risk is almost second nature. I mean, at least to me. Um, but if you're not being your true self, you're not going to take risks, right? I mean, and not taking risks. I guess what I was thinking of, especially reading about the attack, was not taking risks does not protect us. Mm, yeah. True. Uh, you know, true. The, uh, true. life takes our risks for us sometimes. Um, I mean, I don't go skydiving, but that's because I had an early fear of heights. You know, it's right. not because I wouldn't be willing to take risks. Uh, I just take the human kind much more often. But mm, um, right. I guess I guess underneath is a risk that if you don't do the things that you feel called to do, there's a risk that your life will feel dead before its time. Right, right. I, yeah. I, I guess um, I I've always... I always, um, I truly love being in the moment with, I, I truly love learning about people. I think if you have a curiosity and you have a thirst to learn, then I think your life is going to be exciting and you're going to go on adventures and you're going to take risks. And, um, and, and like, like with, you know, and, and I, I just think that, that Maria and I, um, I really think we met for a reason, and I, I think, uh, I don't know, I'm, I, I just, it, it feels like we're, we're going to be living our life we were meant to live when, when we, when we, um, I don't know, now I'm talking myself into a, I don't really know what I'm trying to say now, but. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm hearing, often. and then we can go to a break. You're, that, and, that's why and you're you here, can say, you have to, you have to tell me what I even mean. Here's what, here's what I'm saying, if you're being yourself and living the life you feel is meant for you at any given moment yeah it's going to be good yeah and and you'll have yourself to count on when it's not good <laughs> when things right. go wrong um which right. i think does does kind of uh speak to your adventures since uh maria died that yeah. that you live from that principle maybe more than many people do so let's let's go for a break and we'll come back and talk about that more okay listeners you can find us you can find me at weatheringgrief.com that's my website the good grief host page and all the links that i mentioned earlier are there and to find gregor collins go to gregorcollins.com back after the break Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent 
inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision-making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Gregor Collins, author of The Accidental Caregiver, and before the break, Gregor, we were we were stumbling stumbling around to the pr- truism: be yourself. Yeah, be yourself, and and staying out of the comfort zone. Sometimes when I, you know, I get in these things where I really think deeply about the cycle of life, and it's so clear in my mind what what the truth is. And I, you know, sometimes I just get so convoluted. So, but but you're you're so good at taking the esoteric and. Um, creating it into something digestible. So you're, you, uh, um, I think you have that, that gift of simplifying complex things, which is good. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a life's passion. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, we, we can, and, that, and that's just, and that's the thing we, we, you know, I can, I get in my, I can get in my own way a lot because I, um, I overanalyze things and, but yet, but but yet, I, I also can simplify things. And um, but but sometimes when my life, I don't feel like I, I feel like I'm in a dark cloud. It's it's that it's because um, I'm overanalyzing things and I'm creating mountains out of mohill. mohill Get, so. Getting in your head too much is what oh, I kind of got and, from and the books. <laughs> yeah, and as an actor too, that w- that would be when I was giving my worst performances. You know, when I'm in my head, when I'm. I'm like thinking as a writer instead of an actor. <laughs> one of my one of my very dear teachers. He he's been dead a long time now, but um, he'd say things like, uh, um, "Your thoughts are a map, not the territory." You know, your mm. um, the the brain is a, a a wonderful servant and a terrible master, you know, mm, right, <laughs> he talked yeah. about the mind and because obviously I like having a mind, <laughs> you know, it's mm. come in handy yeah, at no, times. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a problem for highly sensitive, you know, I consider myself probably in the category of highly sensitive person. And I think it's, 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 it's a real problem when you're highly sensitive to things 
and usually that that I guess that means you're a creative person. Um, you tend to absorb um, true so many. You know, you tend to absorb anything, any kind of energy, even if it's negative, and and you you have a, a tough time sitting back and going, wait a second, no, 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 that's not the truth. I know what the truth is. I'm not gonna. But it's easy to absorb things, you know, absorb energy. Yeah. I, I guess this is sort of a parenthesis, but I guess, um, you know, having the dearest person to me die sort of cured me of all of that running around in my head. Hmm. Paradoxically. How so? I, well, I used to be such an anxious person. That's why I was trying to figure everything out all the time. Mm. And when I realized, no, I, I, I can survive things. You know, the worst can happen and I, I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll wake up the next day. Um, anxiety wasn't, wasn't so convincing anymore. And all mm. of the, the mental hoops didn't captivate me in the same way. I'd kind of go, yeah, you can worry about that, but really? It's not that big a yeah, deal. Yeah, that's good. I remember you, you said in one of your Zoom calls, I think you said, you said, I wrote it down, it said, anxiety loves the lack of an answer. I thought that was good. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty true. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I'm just making an assumption that, you know, um, I mean, we, we run around in our heads to defend ourselves, right? To, to try to deal with stuff, so. Yeah, and we think we're, we think we're, um, yeah, we, we think it's empowering us or, or giving us strength or giving us something. I mean, there's some, there's some kind of strength we get when, when, we, when we live in, in, in the misery of our brains, you know. <laughs> it's, it's that comfort. And it's, hard, it's very hard to, if you're so used to seeking comfort through misery, it's just so hard to get out of that. But, and you get out of that just by focusing on what's right in front now. of you. You know, right now. Yeah. And speaking of that, I just before I, you know, we get out of here today, um, I guess the remaining question left after I finished both your books was um, there was this persistent kind of desire for for a. This may not be quite right. You'll change it mm -hmm. if it isn't solid romantic love. Mm hmm. And I wondered if that's just an ongoing search or whether you kind of at some point say, well, maybe that's not my life this time. Or how, what do you do with that? Because it seems to me Maria would have really deepened your understanding of what that could be. Yeah. Not that, uh, not that your love with her was romantic exactly, but. Right. It, it, it but it was the, in a way. It was in a way. But it was in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you, do you long for somebody or not? Um, no, of course I do. I, I, I think um, the, ro the romance thing is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing that, you know, I, I, I feel like the more I, the times where I'm looking for it, it's, it's, it's definitely not uh, coming, but it's, I don't know. I, I, I guess in relation to Maria, I, I, I looked at, I probably loved Maria more than anyone, any non-family member in my life. And I, I looked at it as romantic in the sense of the excitement we both had around our love for each other. Um, but, 
I seem to, I guess I would always look at myself as having no luck, very little luck in love. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a hard subject because I, I, I feel like, I feel like the times where I realize that I have everything I need um, are the times where I don't stress out about any of that stuff and the things happen as they should. So it's the times where I think I'm lacking something that, that I end up finding all the lack and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And maybe desperately, desperately yeah. grabbing at something that isn't the thing anyway. <laughs> right, right. I've definitely yeah. done that in my life. And twice I didn't do that. Twice it just was right. Right. So, lucky me for sure. Yeah. But um, I guess what I what I ended up convinced of was that if that person landed in your life, you could do it. The, oh, the, absolutely. The absolutely. amount of commitment and, um, you know, you're not deterred by, you didn't run when uh, Maria started getting um, a little demented or failing no. physically and yeah. nor did you run from the people subsequent to her that no, you cared no. for uh, in that last period of their lives um, so there was one statement in your book uh, you know that that you're not a caregiver and I I was arguing with you when I <laughs> Because right. the qualities that I would want in a caregiver are things you did and are. Mm, right. No. Yeah. You're right. I, I, and I always, I always thought like if you put side, if you were hiring a caregiver and you had a caregiver that was like, for thirty years they were a credentialed caregiver and they they were certified and they were had all the qualifications of a caregiver, but yet they were going through the motions at this point. Or you would take the other person that has no clue what anything to do with medicine is, but they're just this, you know, had this great positive energy, then you would, you know, you would always want that inexperienced person that, that is, uh, has a little, you know, that, that appreciates the moments and stuff. So I, I guess I had everything it took to, to make, to really just love Maria as she deserved. I guess that's what made me a good caregiver for her. Um, but, but in a way it was easy to love Maria, you know, that that's, it was very easy to love her because I knew that there was never any chance that we would be together as, as a romantic, uh, partnership. So therefore that made it easy. So I, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be some superhuman person that I stuck around at the end because, uh, I loved her, but, but, um, but there was, you know, it would, it would stay, stay that way, stay separate. And romantic. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't say you were superhuman either. I would just say some people leave. Yeah. And yeah. you got the rewards of staying. Uh, Absolutely. Which, yeah. which are pretty mighty <laughs> from yeah, and, from my own personal point of view. Right. Uh, and I and I went into that um as a single guy and I, I don't think if I was married or living sort of this the script uh, of that you're supposed to live in life, then I would have been married with kids and I, I wouldn't have even met Maria. And if I did, I wouldn't have definitely wouldn't have thought about becoming her caregiver. So I wouldn't have been available for the job. I I wouldn't have been available. (laughs) So, so I, that's why I think I was meant to meet her and my life was meant to conjoin with her life. And uh, now I, 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 she's a part of me and I, I feel like I don't even know when I'm, really talking about her or, or whatever, because she's, she's a part of me and everything I do seems to have, um, 
I can sort of call back to my time with Maria and say, you know what, life is pretty good. <laughs> well, and uh, you loved her so much, you you risked your acting career. I was <laughs> I was laughing because yeah. I know a lot of actors, mm. um, and um, just because of one of my kids is in that world, and um, the times when you were recounting um, your your um, agent calling and saying this afternoon an audition right. i got you at la 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 and you're saying oh can't make it yeah. <laughs> i was yeah. like yeah. how long did you keep the agent i was thinking because <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> yeah, it's that... usually a drop everything kind of situation oh. isn't oh, it oh it is that's the only way to that's that's what's crazy about the business that's that's how it runs it's like you know we're hollywood and we have an audition for you and if you don't drop everything in your life to come to us right now then screw you. Um, you have to drop everything and, and to, to cater to this machine of Hollywood. And um, so I, I think Maria also taught me my current views of success and, and put it into perspective and realized that, you know what, it wasn't making me happy going after these Hollywood dreams. Um, it just wasn't a part of it. And, it, and I have no regrets for, for putting acting aside for her because that's what was supposed to happen. And I went with it and it was scary at first, but you know, it, en it ended up good in the end. <laughs> well, you know, you said you're not a care caregiver. You also said you're, if you're not, if you're not acting, you're not an actor, which I also wanted to argue with. But <laughs> did, I say, did I say that? Oh. Yeah, somewhere oh. along the line in one of the two books, I don't recall which oh, okay. one. Um, because that's, you know, it 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 comes through in the 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 talent you have for that. Um, I was I was seeing everything you were talking about as if you were acting it out. Mm, mm. Um, so I feel as if that part of you definitely still exists or still. Oh yeah, yeah, exists. You know, I. Maybe I said, I, I don't know if I meant to say it that way. Maybe I said it, but I, yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I, I, the, the definition of like an actor isn't someone who's just, I mean, that's a, that would be, a, I guess, a working actor. But once you're an actor, you're always, you always have that. that it's always going to be in there somewhere. That storytelling voice inside of you that, 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 bring, that brings life to whatever you're doing, whether it be writing or accounting or, or building buildings or whatever. I mean, that's, that's just that, that, that desire to, hmm. to be in the moment and tell stories. So we're, we're just about out of time. I want to end by saying that um, you, you talk many times about how often Maria said she'd always be watching over you mm -hmm. and that the both of you believe that. Uh, believe that and that that has continued that you have that sense and I found that very very sweet and lovely mm -hmm. to imagine like she has another role but she's still kind of looking out for you I think so I think she's making sure that I that I'm that I'm my true self that I was with her and that I that I'm on the right track and that I think she I do feel protected by her uh, in certain circumstances and that, you know, that, that thing she would always say to me, everything will be okay, Gregor. 
you know, that, that <laughs> rings in my head. That's indelible, isn't it? Yeah, it really I, is. I yeah. really want to thank you for being here today. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Likewise, Cheryl. Thank you so much. To find Gregor Collins, you can go to gregorcollins.com. Next week, I'll have Helena Deabala to talk about her book, Craigslist Confessional, A Collection of Secrets from Anonymous Strangers. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.